We're very excited about today's show, but before we begin, we got Jesse Ledoux with our product special of the week. So Jesse, tell us what you got for us. Hey, Stephen, we are feeling very generous at Pageant Planet this week. So we've decided that we are going to bless all of our listeners with 10% off anything in our store. Any single thing, 10% off, it's yours. Okay, so if somebody's never visited our store before, what are some of the items in our store that they can buy? Yes, there's a huge variety of items that we have from adorable, wearable t-shirts, like super comfortable, high quality, that say sweet things like muscles and mascara. That's one of our most popular ones. I woke up fabulous, single, taken, pursuing the crown, cute little checklist, from tote bags to hair care products, um, shoes, jewelry, tons of stuff, including even ad pages. Yeah, so there's lots of stuff that runs the gamut. There's hundreds of products on there that you can choose from. Um, what's the coupon code and what's the URL for this particular promo? So log on to shop.pageantplanet.com right now to start shopping. And once you've found that one, two, three, ten items that you're looking for, just type in the coupon code podcast at checkout. All right. Thanks, Jesse. Welcome to Pageant Planet's podcast, where we share stories and strategies to help expand and connect the global pageant community. Visit pageantplanet.com to find pageants, hire coaches, shop for dresses, and more. Now, here's your host, Stephen Roddy. Welcome, everyone, to another episode. Today, Jesse and I, we are going to be talking about the controversial life and reign of Osmel Sosa. So Jesse, set the stage for us. Okay, Stephen, this is going to be a hot one. And it's important to note that there is some adult content within today's biography. So those listening with little kings and queens present, you may want to listen through once before you share. Yeah, and within today's podcast, we're going to show, share both the accomplishments and controversies. But our goal is to share with you the story of someone with longstanding history within our industry, and you can draw your own conclusions. Got it? Um, All right, Jesse, let's get started. Okay. So there are countless rewards that pageantry can provide, like scholarship money to fund an education, exciting prizes, the potential of fame, and let's not forget the ultimate prize, a glorious crown and prestigious title. Yeah, but most people who get involved in the world of pageantry and stick with it year after year, they become hooked on the personal growth and development that they experience, which comes as a result of working so tirelessly on themselves just all the time. Exactly. People fall in love with pageantry because they're constantly going beyond their comfort zones and that changes them. And you could say that the contestants who have fallen in love with pageantry are really falling in love with the person that they are becoming. And I can totally speak to that. And it's completely true. Most people find that they are transformed through the process. Yeah, and that process of being transformed is really fulfilling, especially if you don't end up winning the crown. Being transformed into the person that you want to be can definitely be a you know, win in by itself. And you could even call this transform- transformational process of pageants something like the, like the Cinderella effect. Yeah, and the, the modern day Cinderella, she's busting her broom to make her dreams come true, and she is getting that crown on her own terms and not waiting for Prince Charming. However, I will say there is one area where the original Cinderella really did have it going on, and that was her fairy godmother. Without her fairy godmother, poor Cindy, she would have just been another sad girl sitting at home on Saturday night wearing a pitiful dress. (laughs) Poor thing. Yeah, poor, poor thing. And the truth is that no pageant king or queen on the planet 
would be where he or she is without that one fairy godmother who made all the difference in their lives. And whether it was an influential mentor who believed in him or her, the tough interview coach who just drilled him or her with difficult questions, the talent coach who pushed them when they wanted to give up, or the personal trainer who inspired them with positive self-talk. And every successful title holder out there, they owe their transformation to a person who's willing to invest their bibbidi-bobbidi-boo magic into that girl achieving their dream, guy or girl achieving their dream. And it's safe to say that no one anywhere in pageantry gets there by themselves. And in fact, one of the best things about pageantry is that it's built on the principle of one person mentoring another or multiple people mentoring another. Yeah, agreed. And we would be remiss if we didn't dedicate a podcast to discussing the extraordinary life, career, and even the controversial legacy of Osmel Sosa. So besides, since it is like the month of September and Osmel's birthday just passed on September 26th, like why not feature the King of Queens? And it's quite possible that some of our audience members may not recognize the name because he's very popular internationally because a lot of our listeners are U.S., but we have listeners all over the world, so they might be more familiar than our U.S. listeners. But um, Asmel Sosa is a name that you, even if you don't know who he is, you've certainly witnessed his impact on the pageant world. His artistic beauty and standards of beauty have in many ways shaped modern standards outside of pageantry. Yeah, so for our listeners who aren't aware of who Osmel is, here's a brief introduction. Um, Osmel was the president of the Miss Venezuela pageant organization for 40 years. And during that time period, Venezuela, and gosh, <laughs> in Venezuela incredibly produced seven Miss Universe winners, six Miss World winners, eight Miss International crowns, and two wins in the Miss Earth competition. Now, for those of you keeping count, that's 23 global titles in just 40 years. That's insane. Yeah, that's, I mean, better track record than like the Patriots, which is, you know, a football Thanks, team here in New England. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> there, is, <laughs> there is no doubt that Osmel is probably one of the most fascinating players in the history of modern pageantry because on one hand, he really is a genius when it comes to not only promoting pageants and the women who compete in them, but he is also has an uncanny gift to be able to see a potential winner in a group of contestants. Yeah, he definitely has a discerning eye for not only the look of a winner, but also that indefinable quality, like the X factor we talk about that sets a queen apart in a sea of competitors. However, on the other hand, as undeniably talented as Sosa is, he's without question a polarizing individual for many, just for the simple fact that he has been the center of, like you said, Stephen, so many controversies over the years. Yeah, and he is without a doubt a very complicated figure. And although it's not our intention or to place to pass judgment on him, we do want to fully explore his life and his remarkable legacy because like yeah. we covered 23 out of uh, 23 winners in for 40 years. But that doesn't even include all of the numerous top fives that he's got, first runner-ups, oh second runner-ups. I mean, it's crazy. You can never count Venezuela out. Like, during his time, it was like you just never wanted – I mean, not you never wanted, but if you had a favorite contestant, if Venezuela was in there, you were nervous. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Okay, so Osmel was born out of an obsession 
uh, his, well, his dream was born out of an obsession with beauty. He longed to create a world that was filled with beauty of every kind. And like many artists, his desire to be surrounded by beauty was somehow, was somehow erase the ugliness and pain that he witnessed and internalized as a child. Yeah, as a boy, he remembers spending all of his time drawing. He would draw rows of women, always women. And then he picked out the best, drew them again with all sorts of dresses that he would then clip on and off. In essence, he was designing a fashion show. And one day his mom saw him and forbade him to ever do it again. She couldn't stand the thought that he was making silly little air quotes paper dolls. Mm -hmm. And he suffered from learning disabilities too that went undiagnosed until he was an adult. And I think a lot of people um, in his demographic experienced that. So he constantly struggled with his studies. And instead of sitting in class and feeling frustrated, he would use that time again to draw images of women, constantly trying to create what he viewed as the perfect, most angelic face. Yeah, that's bulldog persistence right there. He's like, yeah, you know. But tragically, Sosa's parents did not share in his appreciation for beauty, nor did they mm -hmm. support their son's remarkable artistic talents. In fact, they were so disturbed by this behavior and personal interests that when he was still just a young child, they forced him to undergo hormonal treatments to try to deepen his voice in order to make him more masculine. That's, that's and horrible. It is horrible. And they didn't stop there because they perceived his developing sexual orientation as such a threat. When he was just 13, they sent him away from his home in Cuba to live with his grandmother in Venezuela. Heartbreaking. That is heartbreaking and kind of interesting because I feel like Venezuela is way more open to that kind of lifestyle than Cuba. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, just stereotypes. But um, after graduating from high school in his newly adopted country of Venezuela, he studied acting, but quickly realized that he was not cut out to be an actor. He then briefly held jobs um, as an advertising draftman and an art designer for two large television networks in Venezuela. Although those jobs were dead end for him artistically, fate stepped in while he was working for one of the television networks. So it was there that he met Lupita Ferrer, who eventually became a famous actress, and she convinced him to take a chance and move to the sprawling metropolis of Caracas, and which is the capital of Venezuela. And little did he know that because of this move, his paper dolls would finally come to life. See, I, I feel like this is the coaching moment here. I mean, okay. we, we all have these desires within us. And like Osmel, the one thing that he did is he continued to practice and fine tune that desire. And it was just a passion, right? Mm -hmm. But I feel like if you never give up on that and you continue just to play around with it, mull it over, like how can I make a career out of this or turn it into a hobby or whatever. But if you just don't give up on those things that you're passionate about, I feel like God just makes a way for you. Right. Like if he would have gave up on it early on, I don't think that he would have found this love of life and he probably would have been someone that would have grown older and maybe had a lot more um, you know, kind of a, we've all met those uh, older people that are real cantankerous, almost like they hate you for being younger because they almost like haven't necessarily capitalized on their youth, right? Um, and that's a story that I've created around them. But just, I feel like by him continuing to pursue his passion, God just made a way for him. And here we are, we're talking, doing a podcast about him. Exactly. I totally agree with you. I think like he didn't overtly look for this opportunity to pursue it. It just kind of came to him. And I think that's a like a God wink also is that like, you know what, you, if you have this hidden passion or this skill, 
like there will, something will happen in your life to guide you to be able to use that skill, I think. Yeah, it's kind of the law of attraction is a popular phrase. And that's what yeah. I feel like he certainly tapped into. Yeah. So in 1969, when Osmel arrived in Caracas, he had been working as an illustrator, drawing women in advertisements. Here we are again. Then he went on to work for a publicity company that was in charge of organizing the annual Miss Venezuela contest. And the Miss Venezuela organization became his client. What a perfect fit for somebody that all they did was draw women. (laughs) Right? It was so timely, too, because the Miss Venezuela contest had just peaked in popularity because, and we've seen this with other systems, just the year before, the swimsuit portion of the pageant was broadcast on television for the first time. And when we talked about Julia Morley a few weeks ago, Stephen, that was the ultimate change they made when they crowned her in a bikini, right? Do you remember right. that story? Yeah. So, I mean, trend across the board. So, bikinis work in pageantry, just saying. <laughs> maybe a side note there, maybe not. Who knows? You decide. <laughs> um, so, anyway, the organization was desperately in need of someone with an artistic eye and instinct for being able to brand and market the pageant in a more modern way. Sosa began advertising selected contestants, not all of them, um, many of whom went on to win Miss Venezuela crown. So he like he hand selected the contestants and then just advertised them. Then the Miss Venezuela organization finally experienced its first international victory in 1979 when Maritza Salero um, became the first Venezuelan woman to win the Miss Universe title. In only 10 short years, Osmel proved to the world that he and the country of Venezuela was a force to be reckoned with. And one of the crucial aspects of this win was the fact that he had began using his fairy godmother, fairy godfather magic on the contestant. And he advised Sayalero to get plastic surgery to correct her imperfect nose, as well as suggesting that she use hair extensions during the competition. And Uh, While these may be commonplace occurrences in pageant industry today, it was not the norm in the 70s. At least it wasn't typical until Osmel began to create what he would later be called the dollhouse. Yeah. In 1981, the year I was born, the owner and director of the Miss Venezuela pageant passed away and the new owners made Osmel the president. And during the 40 years that he presided over the entire Miss Venezuela organization, he implemented his own brand of beauty, which all culminated in the creation of what became known, like I said, as the dollhouse. So let's hear about the dollhouse. Okay, so consider the dollhouse as a factory of sorts where real life Barbies are manufactured according to Sosa's precise specifications. The way it works is that young ladies apply to the organization, compete in regional competitions, and the 20 or so winners that are chosen will ultimately compete in the Miss Venezuela pageant. Now, um, but the girls, they've got to first go through a rigorous six-month training program and eventually a transformation process in order to be able to compete in the pageant. And the process is not limited to diet and exercise. Um, And I actually read uh, this fact um, online, and it was cost them roughly $20,000 US dollars in order to go into the um, dollhouse. And we'll get more into their their income, the average income um, in Venezuela a little bit later. But yeah, keep that in mind, $20,000. And you think your pageant entry fees are expensive. Right. And that 20K (laughs) like covered their transformation, right? Yeah, yeah, it was Got like it. It, it, that was like their entry to like the pageant in the dollhouse. 
Um, you can Google it, like how much it is. And it, I might have had the exact number wrong, but it, I'm pretty sure it was like in the 20K area. Got it. I mean, that sounds right when you think about what I'm about to say next. So um, the transformation at the dollhouse will most likely require a cosmetic surgery. It could be anything from a nose job, lip implants to liposuction. Um, so that's where the 20K comes in. And the young hopefuls will have their smiles made over. And in addition to teeth whitening, many will receive complete dental work. Like, I mean, it doesn't sound horrible on the surface. I got to right. be honest. Sign yeah. up for the full <laughs> dental work, for all well, the work. I would assume like breast augmentations and things like that happen there too. Um, oh, I pretty would, much. Yeah, I would assume the, the gamut. They probably yeah. have, if you remember from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, I don't know if you ever read that book, but they had um, a taffy puller. So when the guy got shrunk, they like put him in the taffy puller and tried to make him taller. I bet they have that too. <laughs> they, they probably do. No. Now, <laughs> now Osmel like insists that he never forced girls to undergo any procedure that they did not wish to have done. But since the stakes are so high and the competition is so fierce, most of the dolls make the decision to do like whatever was suggested by their maker, which is Osmel. Yeah. yeah. And this is a huge coaching moment that I, I really want to reinforce here. I think it's important if you're competing in a pageant and you want to win more than anything, a lot of us do, have one person that grounds you throughout your process, someone that can help you sift through advice so you don't get overwhelmed into making decisions that either aren't true to you or that you're uncomfortable with, that you're just like, well, I, I have to do this, so I win, but you might regret it down the line because it's just not your character. So I think just, again, have one person that totally buys into your goals and your dreams, but will be able to say, like, this is enough. Like, this is not you. Like, you don't need to do this. Like, I just think that's important in, in life to have that person. But in pageantry, there are so many outside pressures and you have to be stay rooted in, in who you are and your values so that you don't deviate. Because if you deviate and then you win, you have to pretend to be that person for 365 days. So just just stay true to you. It's really important. And as the old country song goes, like you got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. Yeah. And realistically, just like in Osmel's case, like you need people to succeed. I do believe that. But you don't need any one person. And oftentimes right. I feel like in our journey, we'll meet someone that we deem as influential or can help me get ahead or, oh my gosh, I need their advice. And the truth of the matter is you don't. What you need to do is in the thing that Osmel has done and the reason why he found himself in this position is that I feel like he never gave up on his passion or his desire. Like even mm -hmm. though his parents discouraged it, he still continued to pursue it. And you saw that in his work. And so I think that if you take anything from this, like take that lesson that you you do need people. You just don't need any one person to get you ahead. So if somebody's asking you to do something that just doesn't connect with you, it doesn't feel right, be it a dress, plastic surgery, or anything in between, don't do it. Right. Simple. Yeah. Yep. Um, so many of these potential contestants, uh, they're living in like violent and even challenging like conditions where... The majority of population is living well below the poverty level. And this is a country where the latest average monthly pay is under 100 US dollars. Like that's a month, one, monthly. 20, 25 US dollars a week. And remember, $20,000 plus in order to go into the dollhouse. 
So the options available to most of these girls are few and the prospect of becoming a celebrity as like as all the pageant queens in Venezuela are, it's like worth it to them because this is their way out. Like when you get into that dollhouse and when you just basically enter the top five, you make that $20,000 back like when the snap of the fingers because you get right. commercial deals, you get modeling contracts, you get celebrity opportunities, et cetera. So this is a very real opportunity for these girls and a way for them to up their station in life. Yep. And what most don't understand is the fascination fascination and prestige that the Miss Venezuela pageant holds for the people of that country. Like it is a national obsession in ways that we can't possibly understand. And the final competition telecast generally lasts about four hours. It's broadcast live across Latin America. And in the city of Caracas, where the pageant is held, the streets become completely deserted because every single citizen is in front of a TV somewhere watching it. Wow. Yeah, and even the contestants that don't end up winning the national title just by being associated with the Miss Venezuela pageant opens up doors to potential careers and Mm -hmm. unlimited opportunities that would have not been available to them if they had not competed. Mm -hmm. And as mentioned earlier, we we can't discuss Osmel's life and career without discussing all the controversies associated with him. And this is the point where if you are listening with little ears, please exercise discretion and educate them on the topic of discrimination if you do allow them to listen. Yeah, we endeavor to be fair and everything that we will discuss has been publicly reported previously or has been documented by Osmel himself. And we're not going to like devolve into all the controversies, but we did want to discuss a few of them um, just to offer an unbiased picture and to give you a viewpoint of this other side of Osmel that maybe you didn't know. Yeah. And obviously cosmetic surgery is a topic that comes up quite a bit in the Miss Venezuela organization, even though it's something that is quite comfortable and normal for the pageant, there will always be people who are not supportive. Yeah. So in 1979, Maritza Solero who was the first Miss Venezuelan woman to win the Miss Universe title, also became the first Venezuelan contestant to admit that she had plastic surgery. And if you recall, she was the woman that um, Osmel advised to get plastic surgery to correct her imperfect nose, as well Mm -hmm. as telling her to use hair extensions during the competition. And on a positive note, Sousa did help to change the public's attitude on plastic surgery. In Venezuela and other countries at that time, plastic surgery was received... Um, was not well perceived. So now it has acceptance and no longer has the stigma it once did. And as far as hair extensions, most of my non-pageant pals, even those have not, have those now. So, I mean, that's beyond acceptance. I know. It's, it's really interesting how he's pushed the trend globally just through that. But yep. beyond, beyond the issues of cosmetic surgery, Osmel has made statements over the years that many find disturbing and seriously damaging to female contestants and to the pageant industry in general. And what makes some people especially furious about his views is he's completely unapologetic about his ad- like in his attitude towards what he's saying. Right, and in a 1997 interview with Latina Magazine, he described his bias against contestants with African features with the following controversial statement. And honestly, I'm uncomfortable even saying it because it makes me so sad and ticked off. And like you said, like, he's unapologetic. Like he's made these types of comments multiple times. It wasn't like he made it one time. Like, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I said that. It's like, no, like he stands his ground with this opinion. So I'm not pleased to say it, but I'm going to say it. So this is what he said in the magazine. 
Black Venezuelan women are not very beautiful. Their noses are too big. No one could operate on them. Occasionally, I choose a Morenita, which is a dark-skinned woman, um, but she has to have a white girl's features, just painted dark. Oh. <laughs> I, oh what's I crazy is he's just, like, he's just like, ah, that's just the way it is. In his opinion, he was like, oh, that's just the way it is. And oh. it, it's amazing, like, in a, in a way that people are like, okay. And there was outcry, but he's still relaying the president of Miss Venezuela and a bunch of girls still came to see him every year. It's wild. But like it gets, I mean, it, again, you said this isn't the first time he says it because in, in a documentary made in 2002, Osmel again made a similar statement adding that he was often jealous of the Colombians because the women there who are of African descent are much more attractive. And an industry that has constantly criticized for being all about vanity and superficial values, these kinds of statements are shocking. I mean, just shocking and disappointing to us that worked so hard to create this positive view of pageantry. And he just, again, in a documentary about basically that he made, he could have edited it out, but he's like, no, I want people to know this. Well, and it's incredibly painful to hear a man of his stature in the industry sharing such an ugly viewpoint. And you would think that after all he went through as a child, he would be more supportive about the diverse diversity of female beauty. And we here at Pageant Planet could not be more thrilled that in 2019, three of the most prestigious pageant titles in the world are currently held by African-American women. Um, these are all U.S. titles, Miss America, Miss USA, and Miss Teen USA. So that's how we feel. Yeah. And what's amazing, too, about that whole thing is that they're all working together, like as an organ two organizations that strongly competed against each other. Um, we're now seeing them come together and both sides were sharing images of the three of them um, on like Good Morning America and just other press related items that they were on. So I, I think that's awesome. Yeah. So in February 2018, Osmel publicly announced his retirement from the Miss Venezuela organization after 40 years of tenure. And he's exceeded by Gabriela um, Esler, and she is the national director for Venezuela. And you may recall that Gabriela was Miss Venezuela in 2012, which feels like yesterday. Yeah. And she became Miss Universe in 2013. And she's been an outstanding representative and role model for the organization. So she was, I think, a brilliant choice to lead the pageant into the future. Yeah, she's also supported in her leadership a role by two other powerful women, Miss International 1985, Nina Cicely, and Miss World 1995, Jacqueline Aguilera. And since taking over the organization, the executive committee has been working towards a complete rebranding and new vision for Miss Venezuela. And for instance, like the first time in 67 years, Participants' body measurements were not disclosed during the swimsuit or evening gown catwalk, which, like, why in the first place, but beside the point. Instead, the judge's evaluation process focused on more substantial details, such as contestants' particular skills and talents, rather than the belief that women's beauty is solely determined by the size of her waist or her bust. Yeah, and I remember, like, this was, like, news-breaking in Venezuela. Like, we think we even covered it when they stopped, like, just shouting out their measurements from the cat from the catwalk, which is like, wait, what? What's happening? Um, but there's been a great uh, there's been great speculation as to the reason though why Osmel made the decision to leave Miss Venezuela after all that time, as well as like why he made the decision when he did. And some wonder if this reasoning had to do with the allegations that shook his leadership um, 
that shook his leadership, coupled with the rising political and economic tensions in the country. Yeah. And one of the controversies that you're referring to, Stephen, occurred in 2014, had to do with Miss World Venezuela 2014, Deborah Menacutia, I think is how you pronounce her name. After the pageant, uh, Osmel admitted to the Venezuelan press that he used his overriding authority, ignoring the scores of the judges and simply picked the girl he wanted to win. Yeah, in most pageant circles, that kind of admission by a national director would be a public relations nightmare. I mean, mm-hmm. like, but the Venezuelan press seemed to just kind of take it in stride. I mean, after all, Asmel has been the creator of the dollhouse for decades, and nobody ever seemed to really question his actions within his own kingdom. Yep. And however, the disturbing allegations that occurred in 2015 may have been too much for even the King of Queens to weather without incident. So stories began to surface that former contestants and title holders, including previous Miss Venezuela and title holders, had been introduced to powerful friends of Osmel's and were told that the girls would receive what was being called a pageant sponsorship or like saints um, in exchange for entering into sexual relationships with the men. And that would cover that 20000 cost. Like that was the purpose of that. And yeah. the topic of saints and hidden financing became more than just a rumor after Patricia Velasquez, a former Miss Venezuela, who is now an actress and model, said in her 2014 autobiography called No Heels, No Reservations, that she had to prostitute herself to finance her participation in the 1989 Miss Venezuela pageant. Yeah, the accusation that Osmel was using his position within the Miss Venezuela organization to pimp girls into prostitution on some level was a rumor that just could not be squelched. And she has vehemently denied these allegations publicly, but the number of stories and admissions on behalf of prior contestants and title holders is really quite alarming. Right. And the truth is, we really don't know what the real reasons why Osmela decided to end his career with Miss Venezuela when he did. Uh, But we do know now is that he has not slowed down one bit. Yeah, in 2018, according to Latina Gossip Online, um, Osmel is writing a book. He says he's always been offered chances to write his memoirs, but he finally convinced that, that the time is right right now. And Osmel says he's working with a journalist who <laughs> inquires too much, but hopefully the partnership will find a happy medium and we can expect to be reading this autobiography before too long. At the beginning of July 2019, uh, which was just a couple months ago, uh, he announced through social media networks that he will assume the directorship of both the Miss Argentina and Miss Uruguay pageants, which I'm not sure how I feel about that given the investigations against him, but I guess like innocent until proven guilty. I, I haven't looked into the investigation significantly, so I don't know what evidence has been brought up. I don't know what's been um, what's been released or acquitted. So I'm, I'm not quite sure. Um, what's out there to justify him being able to take over two more pageant ownerships uh, with this out there. I'm not, I'm not sure. So I can't speak to it. Right. And so there's that question. And then there's also the question of like, I wonder, is he going to create a similar dollhouse there? Um, Are like, is Miss Argentina and Uruguay, Miss Uruguay, are are they going to be the new powerhouses? You know, I'm kind of curious to see how all that, yeah, how all that fleshes out. But Probably um, Osmel's biggest project to date in his brand new show, it's like El Concorso or the competition in English. It's a beauty contest that will include a reality show element and a winner in the last episode. So episodes can already be watched on YouTube. And the show sounds very familiar to the hit um, Latina American beauty show called like 
Neostral Belizea Latina, or Latin, uh, or Our Latin Beauty in English, where he appears as a judge for like many years. Yeah. And he says the audience will finally understand his magical formula that has worked for so many of his girls that have gone for the crown. And for now, the winner will not go on to any official pageant, but the King of Queens is working on making that happen. So in conclusion, there are some who love this industry because of the celebration of outer beauty. And to them, Osmel Sosa, he's an icon. And there's some who despise this industry for people like Osmel Sosa, you know, <laughs> perpetuating an idea that only physical appearance matter for women. And I think most will agree on two things. First, that offering opportunities to women to break a cycle of poverty is a great thing. Second, that exploiting women to receive these opportunities is despicable, if that is in fact the truth. And for those that are competing and those that are helping someone compete in pageants, uh, we implore you to focus on the personal growth and inner confidence that learning to present yourself both with your words and your appearance can bring, like we talked about in the first place, because everyone can have that Cinderella moment, regardless of their outer appearance. Yeah, and to wrap all of this up, you know, the industry as a whole is made unique and is made powerful because of your contribution and because of your voice. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there are people like Osmel in every country and probably every organization um, throughout the world. And what you do as a title holder or a potential cont or a contestant is that you get a vote. And so the people that you continue to support, you go to, um, are the ones that will continue to thrive. The people that you do not or choose to refuse to work with, those people will start to fade out into the, the dark. So if you see anyone <laughs> that is doing anything remotely close to what Osmel is being accused of, then don't support it. Run far away and tell everybody that you can to do the same. And that would be the quickest way to protect the industry that we all love and that we all believe in so much. So thank you for listening. And if you've received any benefit from this show or you find it entertaining or you just like Jesse or myself, please consider giving us a five-star review. It might seem like a small action, but it really does help us keep the show going. Until next time. Want to become a part of pageant history? Create a free contestant or business profile on pageantplanet.com to unlock hidden features and connect with other experts throughout the world.